Portichelle Foundation, Copper Country Senior Meals, and Dial Help are now Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. We are excited to announce this new name as it marks the start of a new era in community support. Copper Shores will continue to offer the same programs, services, and opportunities as before, as well as identify and fill service gaps within the community. With a passionate team dedicated to the well-being of community members, we can move our community forward in more ways than ever before. To learn more about our vision for a more helpful community, visit coppershores.org. Once again, good Sunday morning and welcome to Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Our program is brought to you by the Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. Learn more about them at coppershores.org. There's a very special event coming up this coming Saturday, the Community Grief Awareness Program. I thought we would talk about grief this morning and how we handle it in the Copper Country and what resources are available. I welcome into the program uh, Ginny Hemmer from Aspirus, and she also is associated with Omega House. And from the Omega House Board and the nursing staff, formerly at uh, Finlandia and now at Michigan Tech, Mark Mirren. Thank you both for coming in. Looking forward to this discussion. Thank you, Todd. The I've got to start by telling, uh, saying the stages of grief, we, we hear about these stages of grief, and people go through them. How many of them need guidance? How many of them need help as they go through this process? Yeah, I mean, um, well, and, and first of all, we don't think about stages anymore. Um, That's good, because I never liked that whole thing. I never liked putting everybody in, the, in that box. Yeah, I mean, because when um, stages people associate with um, a starting point and needing to progress through um, things in a certain way and everybody has to do it, but grief isn't like that. Um, so we, and, and, and we know more about that at this point. Um, so um, there are certain things that um, people typically experience when they move through grief, but they can do it at different times and at different rates. Um, so th that's a big part of why um, we don't uh, conceptualize uh, moving through grief as um, moving through stages. But um, as um, people, everybody grieves. Um, so when we, if you experience a loss, then you will grieve to some degree. Sure. And um, typically uh, people get support through family and friends and organizations um, that they're connected with, like, you know, like their, their friends at church or, um, you know, a ladies group or something like that. So um, everybody, um, you know, does go through um, grief. Does it make a difference how the grief originates? I'm thinking, for example, some grief is almost expected. You have a terminally ill family member. You've been seeing this coming up for months. You know that you're going to lose them, as opposed to the sudden shock of losing a loved one in a car crash, for example, completely unexpected. Does that affect how somebody goes through the grieving process? Absolutely, yes. Um, so, um, you know, sudden, uh, sudden loss, uh, can be traumatic and it catches us off guard. Um, and so, you know, an experience like that, um, you know, taxes our coping skills in a different way than, um, 
a loss where we're wrapping our mind around it and we're anticipating it. Um, so uh, de definitely there are, uh, different, there are two different kinds of losses. Um, that so. crossed my mind because within the last year, I lost both my parents. But both my parents were in their 90s. And God bless them, they'd been able to live at their home until their last few months. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really go through what I expected to in terms of grieving. Uh, in fact, I, I told a lot of people the biggest emotion that I felt was gratitude because I'd had my parents with me for so many years and they had been alert and active and part of my life. And very few people get to say that at my age. And so certainly I, I miss them, but I haven't gone through a, a, a breakdown, a crying type of thing like that. Is that unusual or is that, uh, or am I normal? <laughs> I would say you're normal. In that, is there a normal? Well, right. So, um, um, grief is individual. Um, so your experience um, is um, not uncommon. Um, for um, folks in your position, um, meaning um, the way you've described um, your relationship with your parents and um, your, uh, you know, and the way you wrapped your mind around the loss. Um, so it's not an uncommon um, w way. Um, and, and your reaction is, um, you know, your normal reaction or a a an example of a normal reaction. That being said, um, you know, there are absolutely, and I think you are alluding to it, there are other people that might have been, might be in a similar position and they might be having a hard time with it. And that would be normal under their, you know, for their circumstances. Well, and I guess that that's mean, one reason so. I'm kind of glad to hear that we're not boxing everybody into that old seven stages of grief timeline anymore because I wasn't going through it, and I'm glad to know that perhaps uh, that's not normal for me, and others who perhaps have had the same reaction that I have to death of a loved one can perhaps feel a little better about the whole thing. We're not uh, cold-hearted, iron-hearted people who don't cry when mom and dad uh, pass away. I, I, I loved my parents very much and was very grateful for the time that I had with them. And that, uh, that was kind of my, my reaction there. Uh, there are several grief support groups that meet in the Copper Country. Omega House hosts one. Of course, uh, the most recent uh, uh, meeting was this past Thursday. They do one monthly, and we've got the details about that posted on our web calendar every month. So if you want to get involved with that, you can find out how. Uh, how do you know if you are grieving? How do you know that maybe you should reach out to one of those groups and talk to people? Well, it's interesting, and I'd go back to Kula Ross and her theory. You know, when it was introduced back in the late '60s, it was pretty. Um, it was a big thing because it started the whole discussion about grief and how people go through grief. But I think uh, more recently, we're realizing that grief isn't so much of an event, and we look at grief in our culture as an event and it's more of a transition you know if you think about the, your example of the loss of your parents um, while that is in and of itself an event it's also a huge transition in your life and so how one is expected to go through this transition is pretty unpredictable as Jenny said it's really individual 
um, depending on the resources you have available, depending on the coping skills that you have, depending on the other stressors that you've got going on in your life, the outcome and the progression through that event can really vary from individual to individual. And not, I suppose, just the emotional progression that comes through this, but in many cases, a physical progression that comes through this. If I am a husband with a couple of kids, I lose my wife in a car crash, suddenly I'm not only dealing with the grief of the loss, but I'm dealing with the the new burdens of being a sole caregiver. Perhaps income has been lost. Um, there are all sorts of physical things that come along with this as well. Absolutely. Um, an author that summed it up really well for me, a book that I really like about uh, the end of life is called The Memory of Old Jack by Wendell Berry. Um, and Wendell Berry has a sentence in that book that says, when your parents die, suddenly there's no one standing between you and the grave. And that really speaks to how profound of a transition that is. And, and that has crossed my mind because I am the oldest <laughs> son. I am suddenly the patriarch of the family yeah. here. And I don't know that that actually came with any additional responsibilities, <laughs> but there's certainly an emotional burden that comes down on me saying, hey, I'm, I'm the last one, or the next one to go in, in logical succession. Uh, it, it does change my perspective on this. And we absolutely have expectations in our culture around grief, uh, many of them unspoken. But um, one of the things that I'm going to talk about in my keynote um, address to start this is the idea that the average company in the U.S. gives an employee three days of bereavement leave for someone in their immediate family. So you're talking about a parent, a spouse, a child, and you get three days. And the idea that that's realistic, um, you know, yeah. it, it sounds incredulous saying it, you know, yeah. but yeah. that's the norm in our culture. And so there's this idea that people should go through grief normally, and there just is no normal grief. Well, and just the physical aspects of dealing with the loss can't be handled in three days. You have a funeral to plan. You may have to travel you may have to start working on an estate. You've got uh, bills that have to be paid. You have a uh, will that has to be uh, broken down or probate that has to be gone through. This takes a phenomenal amount of time. Absolutely. One of the things, you know, that I also, I, I teach psychiatric mental health nursing and we talk about death and dying. And one of the things that is of great interest to me is the consequences of our cultural avoidance of death in general. We don't want to talk about death. We don't want to think about death. And as a consequence of that, only one in three Americans has, adult Americans has an advanced directive. And so at come end of life, all those business tasks that you're talking about are suddenly thrust upon you while you're in this emotional grief and you're expected to deal with them promptly and efficiently. And there are other consequences that go with this denial of death as well, but that's one of the really significant ones. That was one of the questions that I was going to bring up in the program. My parents did a pretty good job of setting things up. Uh, not a perfect job. My dad was an attorney who did estate planning, oh. and mostly he got it done. In some cases, it was like the cobbler's child who has no shoes, but the funeral arrangements were set in place and pre-planned. Ironically, they lost a lot of money by doing that because he 
had COVID as a listed death cause, and the federal government was paying funeral benefits for people who died from COVID unless you prepaid your benefit and then you didn't get anything. So, okay, we'll take that. But they had set things up in pretty good shape. My sister was actually the executor of the estate. She's had to work very hard on it, but at least a lot of things were in place. Is it an obligation that I have and everybody has to put all of those things in order to ease the burden on our heirs. One could certainly argue that, but the reality is is that it doesn't happen. None of us want to think about death. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not anticipating dying anytime soon, but I have recognized from this process and have started the process now that I have to have a will. I have to have the advanced directive. I have to have medical uh, directives in place and a power of attorney perhaps for a couple of my relatives to be able to make decisions on my behalf and put things in place so that when I die that burden isn't so great on my family members that I leave behind. I have an obligation here and I'm starting to feel that and it's something that I think we probably need to stress a little more. That's one of the reasons that we're holding this event is just end of life awareness. You know, grief comes with us. We deal with a lot of grieving families at Omega House in the course of business and the resources available to them, the expectations that are placed upon them are oftentimes pretty unrealistic. You know, going back to um, advanced directives, one of the things as a nurse that is kind of most people aren't aware of, I would say, is that we spend an inordinate amount of money on end-of-life care because people don't have advanced directives. Sure, because you can't make the decision to say, okay, uh, Bob here is not going to recover. Um, there's no sense in prolonging his life. We'll shut things off. You can't make that decision. That's not how it works. The exactly. legal heirs can make that decision, or Bob could have made that decision in advance. And you're right, the, if you're obliged to keep somebody, somebody's heart pumping for weeks at a time, it's a phenomenal amount of money. And that's the reality of healthcare in America. I mean, Medicare spends 25% of its total money on care in the last year of life for 4% of the individuals on Medicare who die. So a lot of money goes toward what we would call critical care that isn't necessarily desired, wouldn't have been the wishes of the persons who, who's receiving it. And yet, because of the fact that there aren't advanced directives, because of the fact that we don't want to talk about death. And we just don't get around to it. <laughs> this is how it works in, in, in our healthcare system. That's a stunning statistic. I hadn't realized that, and that's a, a stunning statistic. Talking with Mark Mirren, he's on the board at Omega House. He's a nursing professor at Michigan Tech. Talking with Ginny Hemmer, who is with Aspirus and also Omega House. Uh, this community grief awareness session that is coming up now this coming Saturday. Let's talk a little bit about how it lines up. It's going to start at 10 o'clock. Doors actually open at 9.30 at Saints Peter and Paul Lutheran Church in Houghton. The list of people behind this and organizations behind this is really impressive. Aspirus at Home is involved. Barraga County Home Care and Hospice, the Community Coalition on Grief and Bereavement, Copper Country Community Mental Health, the Copper 
Copper Country Intermediate School District, the Copper Shores Community Foundation, Houghton Keweenaw Communities That Care, KBIC Health Systems, Michigan State University Extension, the Gogibic Ontonagan Intermediate School District is involved in this, Ontonagan County people certainly involved, Omega House and UP Health System Home Care and Hospice. And that kind of shows the breadth of the effect of grief. I suspect in the community that at some point all of these different organizations are affected by people who are going through grief. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, when we began this process, um, and we and we started talking about it at the Omega House, and um, thought, well, let's just we had um, we thought that there was a need for something in our community, and. Um, we decided let's reach out to some of these other groups and see what they think. And everyone was, yes, you know, when's the meeting? Yes, I want to participate in this conversation. So um, it's just been, um, a, you know, really amazing, I guess. Um, and I think important and significant because it does show, um, you know, how much people are thinking about grief affecting our community and, and, and really trying to provide um, support for our community members. Now, there are going to be a number of presentations at this. It's a three-hour session, so it's not going to suck up your whole day. That's right. But it's a three-hour session. Mark, you mentioned that you're going to be doing the keynote. What will you be focusing on? Focusing a lot on how our culture looks at grief, how our culture looks at death and dying, or fails to look at it, I guess would be a better way to put it, and welcoming everybody who has had the courage to come out to this event and acknowledge that they're experiencing grief. I mean, that in and of itself in our stoic UP culture is something to be commended. Um, but basically, I want to discuss... Um, this idea of grief as a transition. I think that's really important. That's kind of where we're at. You know, so many people have experienced grief over the last three to four years because of COVID. I was looking at the statistics this morning and we lost just shy of 300 people in the four counties of the Western UP. I had several friends who I, were lost to COVID. My dad, COVID was a contributing factor. He had other health problems. I don't know if he would have made it otherwise, but certainly the COVID was perhaps the, the final blow. Uh, and a uh, number of people that I have lost because of COVID, everybody has been touched by this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and it's brought this notion of acceptance of grief, I think, to the fore, you know, more so than, it, than normally. And so it's just become harder to ignore, I think. Um, you know, if you look at the national statistics, we're up to 1.1 million. You know, and these are really staggering numbers. You know, the 300 in the four counties of the Western UP, that's a significant chunk of people. And I don't think anyone really is not touched by COVID. And is there a flip side to this? I know two men who basically killed their fathers. They contracted COVID. They didn't realize it. They went to visit mom and dad. In each case, dad contracted COVID and passed away. That has to be, and, and it was innocently done. I don't know if they could have, should have tested before they went, that kind of thing. It was relatively early in the pandemic, so we didn't all have the testing that we have available now and had available later. But that's a heck of a burden of guilt to be carrying, whether or not it was intentional, that you brought it into the house and dad 
contracted it and is gone. I'm sure there are other people who have gone through this. I think that's one of the, the hallmarks, if you will, of grief related to COVID is the idea that it's not, uh, it's complicated grief. It's it's not normal grief. I mean, we had so many people who died in isolation yeah. yes. where family members weren't able to say their goodbyes. Um, we had so many healthcare workers who were just inundated with patient after patient after patient dying and were overcome with their own grief, just having to deal with this, having to be the last person there while someone is dying because the family couldn't be there. And so there's a lot of really complicated grief around COVID that I don't think we've acknowledged at all. What other kind of uh, sessions are going to be offered during this community grief awareness session coming up Saturday? Yeah, so I'm actually really excited about this. So we have offerings um, for adults and for children and teens. Um, so the sessions for adults um, will include some nuts and bolts information about grief. And then there will be an opportunity for them to do what we're calling breakout sessions, which um, are um, topic focused. So if they've um, experienced a loss um, from someone who completed suicide, we have an offering for that, or we have an offering for folks who have had, you know, a parent die or a spouse die, or they've had a child or a grandchild die. We have one for um, folks who have had a miscarriage or an early infant death loss. And then we have another offering for um, mindfulness and grief. So it's not as much of a particular loss, but like a, a, a way to cope and um, manage grief. And then we have separate offerings for our youth and our teens. So um, a session for um, that would be for youth um, and then a different one for teens. And they will be doing covering kind of similar um, nuts and bolts grief information but doing it in a way that is more um at their developmental level and like fun activities and things like that incorporating in there and remembering um you know the the person that has died well grief is different for young people we as older adults we've been through the process we know that we are going to be sad we know that we are going to feel that loss but we know that there is a brighter day ahead we're going to get past it we're going to recover for kids who've not been through that before and don't have that perspective that's got to be tough yeah, and I mean, and, and the other piece to it is that, um, you know, children um, and teens, um, they're just cognitively at a different level than adults are as far as they're being able to understand what is actually happening. Brain hasn't fully developed. Exactly, yeah. So, um, you know, there are, since they're cognitively at a different place, you know, even with, you know, similar information or similar I guess life experience they um, you know they would just process what's going on in a different way um, so um, kids especially and teens but they um, they learn how to handle their grief based upon 
the adults in their life and then the what's going on in the environment. Uh, so those of us who are grieving have another responsibility that we have to carry. We have to model the experience for our kids to deal with. If we fall apart, then they learn that they should fall apart. And so we have to be a little bit cognizant of that too. Nuts and bolts as we wrap this segment up here. Um, the grief awareness session is coming up this coming Saturday, September 30th, 10 until 1. Doors open at 9.30 at St. Peter and Paul Lutheran Church. Is there a cost? There is no cost. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because we've been able to offer this without a cost because we have three fabulous um, sponsors who have um, contributed money. So we have um, the Superior Health Foundation, we have the Copper, Con uh, Copper Shores Community Health Foundation, and the Omega House that are making this possible. So no charge, but uh, folks do need to sign up? No. No, um, really? We, okay. We have pre-registration. That just helps us know, you know, about spacing and everything like that. But please, everyone show up. You're going to be welcome that day, even if you haven't pre-registered. So. so again, it's coming up this Saturday. Doors open at 930. St. Peter and Paul Lutheran Church in Houghton. And uh, blessing upon them for hosting this as well and opening up their facility. And this is for everybody at this point, uh, not necessarily just for those who are are going through the grieving process at this moment that's correct yes um, and if you're you know if you're wondering about even supporting somebody you know you're you have somebody that you really care about that you see really grieving this might be a good opportunity to learn some things about how to support them we all go through it and shining light on it is only a good thing so thank you uh, mark Mirren. thank you jenny hammer for coming in on copper country today and i hope the seminar coming up on saturday goes very well Thank you Thank so you. much, Todd. Thank you for having us.